If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Wake me up when September ends. I tell you what, I can't believe the summer has gone by. We're headed into the fall, and that means it is the busy season. For all of us that are following the things that this program was designed to do, which is help you understand all of the changes that are coming in healthcare and insurance uh, as a result of the Affordable Care Act and all of the other ensuing regulatory and legislative changes that have come out of our great capital city of Washington, D.C. Sean McGuire here, back in the hot seat, really excited about the program we're going to be putting together for you here this week. It's going to be part three of our uh, ongoing series that we've been putting together. Stuart Sloan is going to be joining us here shortly to take a look with me at what is important to the generation groups in selecting benefits in the workplace uh, for them and their families. Uh, as we look at uh, all of the changes that have come from the, uh, the the taxes in the Affordable Care Act, the cost of health care going up, the fact that it's essentially been kind of a dumpster fire in how that they were trying to uh, get people signed up in the individual marketplace. They are way behind where they need to do need to be. And this has had a major impact on employee benefits. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at this week on the show. We're joined by our favorite contributor, I must say, Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Stuart, good afternoon today. How are you doing? Good, Sean. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. Like I said, I'm super excited to be talking about what we're going to be visiting about here today because this is part three of our series, and, and I think this is such an important uh, component uh, of the overall decision that people uh, need to be looking at is how are your generational groups affected uh, within your organization. So kudos to you for, for coming up with the, with this topic, Stuart. Um, the employer-based health care uh, model is uh, is is still strong in our country, uh, but there's been a lot happening over the past few years. What are some of the latest developments that you're seeing? Well, <clears throat> according to two different studies, the Robert Wood Foundation and Urban uh, Study, uh, it showed that of all employed uh, folks across the United States, 72 percent are covered by uh, you know an employer plan. Fifty percent of workers at firms with less than 50 employees are covered, and 83 percent of employees uh, at firms that are larger than 50 employees, uh, you know, are covered. So uh, it shows great stability of coverage. And the concerns about employer-sponsored uh, insurance evaporating after the implementation of implementation of the ACA really have not materialized. Well, I, I agree, and I know that that. That uh, in some of their initial estimates, I think some people thought that more people, more organizations, would go ahead and disband their their uh, their group programs, and we're starting to yep. find that that's not the case. One of the reasons yep. why their numbers are quite short. Yeah, I mean, and, and you take a look at at the shakeout. Um, about 1.6 million people who signed up for coverage uh, in the Obamacare marketplace dropped by the end of March. Uh, you know, that still leaves 11.1 million uh, still signed up. But those uh, dropouts failed uh, to pay their premiums. Part of the dropout problem likely is the switch to employer-based plans. And that's not that's not surprising when you consider that between 155 and 170 million people in the United States get their health care through their employer. Right, right. And in general, would, would you say those policies – available through an employer are probably uh, better than, than what would be available in the ACA marketplace? Yeah, they're much more extensive. Uh, the pricing generally comes along with choice. And so a, a worker can figure out 
what is best for him and his family uh, from the choices you know that are offered. Um, one reason why the enrollment and the exchange have lagged is that not only do more people kept their coverage, uh, you know, from the exchange, but as you indicated earlier, I, I think as as we're getting on the call, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that by 2016, there would be 24 million people enrolled in the in the Obamacare uh, plan. So the mix of people uh, in in the uh, pools have tended to be people who were at chronic illnesses and thus required more care and frequent doctor visits. I agree. So so the numbers are, are short of where they want to go. And and um, did you see the study, Stuart, this week? Or I guess it would have been, wouldn't necessarily have been a study, but uh, Department of Health and Human Services coming out uh, saying that they are uh, confident that, that the uh, the ACA marketplaces are going to be going to be strong here in the next uh, year. Did you see that study? Well, I saw that study, and, you know, I'm less confident. I, I think that's just positioning. I agree. Because I think we all agree that the 2017 year is a critical year for Obamacare as far as generating the numbers and trying to attract different kinds of, of employees into the risk pool. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to, you know, stay on where we are with the employer marketplace. And what we're seeing in the employer marketplace is that employer-provided health, uh, the marketplace is fairly stable. Employers have adjusted to the changes in the, in the law. Uh, their change of costs and the shifting demographics in their groups uh, via participation really has forced them to take a look at what they're offering. And uh, and change their plan designs, either from within the existing plan or to go to other providers who provide what they're looking for, for stability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, we're talking with Stuart Sloan, and he's president of SIG Consulting here on America's Healthcare Challenge. This is part three of our ongoing series that we're going to be bringing uh, to you uh, to help you make the difficult decisions here in 2017, um, Stuart. Um, we, we've touched a little bit about on this, and you mentioned 2017 being a big year, but uh, can you talk a little bit more about the effect of the Affordable Care Act legislation um, is going to be having on, on these employer-sponsored plans? Yeah, <clears throat> I think when you look, take the marketplace apart, you look at the large employer marketplace, small employer marketplace, I think the thing we can see across the board is that in 2017, the rate increases are going to be in double digits. Uh, they're going to be in double digits uh, for the large employer marketplace, maybe some for the first time, uh, and that's all across the country. And for the small employer marketplace, uh, where they look to maintain group insurance, again, because they're in a, a pool uh, of a product that's available on a state basis, they're going to see double-digit rate increases as well, and the choices are going to be limited probably to fully insured or the beginning of self-funding based upon their size. Uh, some small uh, uh, companies had dropped group insurance before, are reversing their course and, and are driven by tight labor marketplace and rising costs and fewer choices for individual coverage are coming back into the marketplace. Uh, unlike large employers, small uh, businesses don't have to offer uh, you know, uh, health coverage. But uh, in a way, to be competitive in their job market, uh, they just do it because they think it's the right thing to do. So we're seeing more of that. So in answer to your question, higher prices, both in large and small marketplace, uh, but a staying power uh, that seems to defy uh, the odds of what the ACA folks originally intended when the law was put together in 2010. Right, it was supposed to be more choice and, and less cost, and it mm-hmm. appears to be the opposite is happening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we're going to take a time out here, uh, Stuart, because uh, I think it's time to, to shift gears. But when we come back, uh, now that we've kind of set the stage on on uh, what employers are facing, we're going to take a, a little bit closer look at uh, some of the, some of the ways to uh, really make that the best decision uh, for you. How do you take a look at the different generational groups in the workforce uh, to help you impact your decision and uh, and, and looking at uh, all of the factors. And that's the purpose of this show, America's Healthcare Challenge. The show blog, healthreformexplained.com, will have 
more information on this and uh, and our commentary on there here at the end of the week. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising healthcare costs? I'm Sean McGuire, and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.healthreformexplained.com. That's www.healthreformexplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Now that you've heard of Sean McGuire and HealthReformExplained.com, Maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Omaha's only local weekday news talk from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Matt Tompkins on On News Talk Talk 1290. Listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Thanks so much for your time. Welcome back to the program. This is part three of our ongoing benefit series for the 2017 open enrollment season that is just around the corner for for many individuals and businesses and we're focusing on the employer marketplace this week with Stuart Sloan president of SIG Consulting here joining me on the program Stuart welcome back to the show uh we're Thank talking you. about um uh these differences in um generational groups within an organization um who are the generational groups in the workplace and how do they determine employer decision making from your standpoint Okay, employers uh, look to attract and retain uh, good quality employees, and over a period of time, as long as they've been in business, they really have a cross-section of these generational groups that we're talking about today, Sean. So the folks that were born 1943 to 1960 are the baby boom generation. Uh, The folks born 1961 to 1981 uh, are the Generation uh, X folks. And those born 1982 to 2002 are are millennials. Um, Boomers, for example, were the children of the World War II greatest generation. Uh, They came home uh, from war, the greatest generation, and they built large organizations such as the United Nations and the World Bank. Uh, Never had to care much about, you know, culture. These kids were raised and, uh, and and told to go to big universities and will give you time to ask the big questions in life. Then came the generation uh, Xers, uh, where the kids, when no one wanted kids, they were there was a decline in fertility, and 
when the children uh, started arriving, the divorce revolution started accelerating. Generation Xers is one of the least nurtured generations in history. By the time millennials were arriving, people had progressed to a state of of moral panic over children. Uh, We had the baby on board uh, stickers and minivans. Uh, The child protection gadget industry exploded. Uh, Those were those folks. So the baby boomers uh, grew up very nurtured and came in a time of economic prosperity. The Generation uh, Xers uh, grew up during a period of economic stress. And the millennials uh, were the children of hyper-attentive parents who desperately wanted children, uh, constantly praised them for their accomplishments, and encouraged them to achieve and excel. Those are our generation groups, Sean. And interesting, uh, when you look at the workplace, which is what we're discussing today, millennials, Generation Xers make up 68% of the workplace population. Boomers today, 29%. The silent generation, who are the owners, the original owner generation, uh, 2% of that uh, of that population. So it's a very diverse workplace today. And this just has to have all kinds of different, um, uh, different economic impacts on an organization, because I just think that there's really, in a lot of places, a generational disconnect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, how should, you know, how, how should an employer... Uh, be taking these these factors into consideration because I'm like you said it is a diverse wor- workforce and I, I think understanding these differences is is really important from a managerial standpoint don't you well I, I think when you look at these workplaces and look at these businesses we're talking about whether a small employer or large employer we have to agree to the fact that these businesses obviously have succeeded over a period of time and so they've attracted a myriad of different kinds of these generational group folks. They've also had the experience of providing different kinds of plans so they know what the generation groups want and don't want, and they've measured this over a period of time as long as they've been in business. So to give you an example, uh, in today's workplace, there's definite priorities uh, in what types of product types that offer 40% uh, for as far as their base health coverage, have chosen PPO coverage. 24% have high deductible health plans. 17% have point of service plans, and 13% have HMO plans. Obviously, that's a quite different picture, Sean, than the 80s and 90s in the early uh, 2000s when HMOs uh, really uh, predominated the uh, you know the marketplace. Well, yeah. Well, I guess it would make a lot of sense because some people might just have different needs uh, based upon their situation. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. young might not need um, first dollar coverage or, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's um that's interesting. Do you um how should an employer really um I mean should they uh, be taking taking surveys of their employees or? Um, I think they should look at these generation groups as we've defined them and take a look at the utilization of the benefits that have been provided over a period of time. Mm. In the large employer marketplace, obviously that experience is available. In the small employer marketplace, under 50 lives, uh, that's just something an employer really has to sense in terms of how their employers, their employees have utilized the benefits they provided. Right, right. And it's it and it it might go beyond just um, insurance products. For example, millennials I, I might be more interested in um, other types of employee benefits, such as they. I, I think that I've everything that I've seen, Stuart, for, from the millennial generation at least, is uh, that they're really concerned about this work-life balance concept. Uh, have you heard much about that? Yeah, you know it's true, but there there are other things that um, you know that are of concern here. Uh, you know, as as you look at each generation and what's important to them, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, in just a second. Yeah. I think the next part of the topic uh, is extremely important, and we should spend a few minutes on that, Sean. Which, the uh, baby boomers? Yes, the brain drain. Yes, the baby boomer ba- brain drain, switching gears to another one of, one of the uh, generational groups in there. Uh, the effect of the baby boomer brain drain, Stuart, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to. According to the Pew Research uh, Center, 
10,000 baby boomers are reaching 65 every day. Uh, and and so the reality of the boomer brain drain is catching uh, some companies off guard, making the knowledge transfer the major buzzword uh, in today's group planning. Uh, you know, when baby boomers leave, you know, they leave this, this wealth of knowledge and experience behind them. And if that's not tapped uh, so that they, they are utilized as mentors for the younger generation, uh, it's a lost wealth of knowledge. There's a big difference between information and knowledge. Information is what you get from Google. Knowledge uh, is based on experience. That's why companies often fail to to retain the deeper variety of knowledge once a longtime employee retires. They don't think to look for it, and it's not something a person writes in his or her carryover note before racing out the front door from the last you know last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, employees with a large experience base have a system perspective. They can look at something and say, "That's going to affect X, Y, and Z down the road." The I the uh, they have a sense of what interacts with what. That comes with experience. Some of that can be passed on. This is what we're talking about, the, the brain drain. Mm. That, you know, I, I can see that, too. And I, I, I was wondering um, you know, what, what you were trying to, to cover with that, but I, I can really see that. And, and do you think employers are doing a good enough job of recognizing this challenge? No, I think they're, they're getting hit with it between the eye when when an employer notifies the HR department that, you know, he's leaving or making preparations to leave. If the employee can be retained uh, in some fashion, even on a part-time basis, or if it can be a structured leave, in other words, something will take place maybe over a three or six month period of time, rather than uh, I'm giving my two weeks notice after being with you for 30 years. Uh, It's a way to tap into that knowledge so they can be used as mentors for the younger generation. It's very difficult, uh, you know, to replace that kind of knowledge suddenly. And I think they're getting caught with their pants down by not realizing this major problem to their firm. Well, it's almost like they should... Yeah, they should really get on it on the uh, on the front end and be putting these people that are in that generational gap, uh, perhaps in touch with some of some of the people that that are going to be around there longer to start transferring yeah, some mentors. of that knowledge. Yes, as mentors, because again, as as we're indicating here, Sean, as the as the generation Xers, which is the next generation to move into management, steps up, you would hope that they can tap some of this huge knowledge base from the baby boomers before. You know, it's a gone resource. Exactly, exactly. That that is um a, a fantastic observation, Stuart. But we're, we're up against a break here in about thirty seconds. Um, any other points on 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 um on this topic before we switch gears next segment? Yeah, just quickly, uh, employers should really look at the people that have been with them for a very long time. Look at it. Look at them from an age perspective. Those in their late fifties, early sixties. Uh, those that potentially would would opt for early retirement, see if they can utilize them before they're at the front door. That's right. that's my point here. Great, great. Uh, wonderful words of wisdom from Stuart Sloanen, president of SIG Consulting. Uh, we're talking uh, about generational differences uh, within your workforce. This is uh, part three of our ongoing series to help you make the uh, difficult uh, economic and personal decisions for you and your, uh, your health insurance and employee benefits coming up here in a rocky 2017. More with Stuart Sloan when we come back here on America's Healthcare Challenge. We're going to get a little bit more into what some of these groups want specifically and attitudes that are most noticeable between generational groups. I'm looking forward to that one because I tell you what, when I'm in my executive club sitting around all the time, all I hear is people whining about millennials. So I'm interested to hear what other attitudes are out there for content with an attitude check out our facebook page.com slash america's healthcare challenge that has my commentary on all of these things and we'll be right back
They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. We are E.D. Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Laura Ingram, weekday mornings 8 to 11 on News Talk 1290. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great day. We're just uh, plowing through some some great topics here on the program this week. It's part three of our ongoing benefit series that we've been when bringing to you as a public service to help you make the, the difficult decisions that you're facing. And this week we're talking about some of the difference generational differences within your organization. We're joined by Stuart Sonnen, president of SIG Consulting uh, on America's Healthcare Challenge. Stuart has uh, uh, boatloads of experience in employee benefits in the insurance industry. Uh, Stuart, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Thank we you. Uh, we we've, we covered the, the baby boomer bloom, uh, brain drain last segment. Um, but let, and we've touched a little bit about our next point, but let's... Uh, Let's cover it a little bit more. What are these generational groups that you identified for us last statement? What do they really want from their workplace employers? Well, you know, as, as we try to indicate, uh, different segments want different things. For example, uh, the youngest uh, group, the millennials uh, under 30, want work-life balance, uh, financial rewards, job security, uh, career advancement, uh, pay for organizational performance and also pay for individual performance. They want they want to be recognized. You know they they want to uh, to uh, to be you know separated out from the rest of the crowd uh, and looked at for what they bring to the table. The the Generation Xers, uh, those 31 to 50, they're, they're looking for work life balance. They're looking for job security. They're looking for financial rewards. Uh, they're also looking for career advancement. Remember, they're the next uh, potential managerial class. They're looking for pay for organizational performance, uh, obviously, you know, salary increases for performance. And they're also looking for innovation and risk. They're willing to offer ideas, and they're all also willing to take the risks of performing uh, uh, what's required of those risky uh, situation recommendations that they made. How about the older generation, the baby boomers and the greatest generation, uh, uh, you know, before that, that are still the owners? What are they looking for? They're also looking for a work-life balance of its own kind. They're looking for job security, naturally, at that age. They're still looking for financial rewards for what they bring to the table. They're looking for pay for organizational performance. They're looking for job security. Again, I had mentioned that. And they're also looking for career advancement. 
maybe that last bump in their in their pension plan or or bonus stock bonus plan those are the kind of things that the older generation obviously is looking for and this would just i guess go because as our economy has evolved that would make a lot of sense cuz people in the baby boomer generation probably started their careers and some of them might have worked their whole careers at the same organization mhm but how when you look at the millennials, they're more common to to potentially leave. Uh, and yeah, we're going to talk about that in our last segment. That's a very important point you bring up. But let's dive into, um, you know, what are the attitudes and, and also uh, what do they really want? What I have seen uh, in my work, and I'm sure you mirror some of this, uh, Sean, is uh, there's a high degree of, of desire to have, you know, voluntary benefits. Uh, but you look at that, I'm going to separate the, the, the generation groups again. The baby boomers may be considering long-term care insurance, retirement planning, and financial advice, particularly in regards to you know, retirement or financial planning. The Generation Xers uh, have a need for child care, college planning, life insurance, critical illness coverage, and, and perhaps identity theft coverage. The millennials are very active, uh, and they're looking at accident disability income, uh, dental and vision. And they have less of a sense of uh, the base medical plan. This is a group that potentially could be the opt-outs in a group, uh, maybe who would go to Obamacare uh, uh, or, uh, you know, would pay the penalty uh, because they they just can't see dollars for value. If they take their employer's um, option of providing uh, you know group insurance, they'll see better value. But this is a this is a generation group you know, and we'll cover the last segment that sees more in what is important to me right now. So what's interesting? I put together some numbers, Sean. Uh, the most asked for benefits from these groups. Uh, is vision, 24%, critical illness is second at 19%, accident disability insurance is 17%, medical coverage across all the groups is 10%, and dental is 7%. 40% of these employees own one or more voluntary products uh, they are closely aligned, that are closely aligned to their lifestyle and their family needs. Hmm. So that that, I guess brings up some interesting options for employers then, doesn't it? I mean, maybe they shouldn't, they should be um, considering offering all of these, these things instead of, or, or, or paired with a high deductible health plan and then offering uh, these types of voluntaries in addition to it. Yeah, that's, that's a very astute observation, Sean. And I think you step back and take a look at the, the generation groups that we're covering and you take a look at each group and say, what do they see as perceived value from mm-hmm. the benefits menu that's being offered to them, both as base benefits and voluntary benefits? Uh, the younger generation still is unsure of what is a deductible and what is coinsurance and how does that affect me? And maybe what's important to me, uh, this is my first new job. You know, I have to be able to see what I'm doing. So vision benefits is, is really uh, important to me. And critical illness is what I call the, oh, my God, what had, if any serious situation happens to me? You know, what would cover me? And that's why critical illness is the second most. And they're, as I said, they're very active. So accident and disability obviously is, again, uppermost, you know, in their minds. And then it filters down from there. But you look at why this is the case over the three uh, active uh, working generations, and you can see where they're coming from. Yeah, I totally can. It makes a, makes a lot of sense. And so that's what also makes sense is for employers to really to understand that. Do you think employers have their 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 heads wrapped around um, you know, these massive differences and in, in You want? know, I I don't think all the time. I think they look at these things very abstractly. Uh they look at benefits as a cost of doing business and they look at it also to protect themselves uh from paying high unemployment tax in their respective state. 
So I, I think they have to look at it with a little bit of our help in terms of what are you currently doing? What value are you getting for what you're providing? Uh, do you see any perception of value from your employees? And has anyone verbalized uh, what they like or don't like to you during the period that they've been, uh, you know, employees at your firm? Uh, that would really address what you just asked me, Sean, I think. Well, I think they, they need to be doing that because what's the point of of offering uh, a program that, that costs an awful lot if, if the employees don't even like or, or, or see any value from it? Yeah, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. The other interesting thing here is if you look at it, today's modern offering of coverages at the workplace, telehealth and funding accounts are the preferred tools to lower out-of-pocket health costs. The thing that absolutely uh, is, is uh, of great concern to all these generation groups is uh, not only the cost to them, the, uh, the cost from the employer, but they look at their total out-of-pocket liability. You know, what am I expected to pay out-of-pocket in terms of the way these plans are designed? You know, what's the maximum dollar I'm responsible for? Maximum exposure, almost, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, how can you help me to offset these costs so that telehealth and the various funding accounts, uh, flex spending accounts, health reimbursement accounts, health savings accounts, really are added tools that if the employer is currently not doing this, they really should be considering that to help their employees. Right. I agree because it's going to help them save money and it could potentially help uh, the organization save money because especially if you're able to retain retain employees, people also don't understand how, how expensive it is to have to, to hire somebody new. Uh, it's almost easier to keep the person there. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Especially if they're, if they're competent. Um, Stuart, yeah. um, we got about a minute till our next break. Um, any, anything else on this? I, you know, I really like where we're going uh, on this because I think we're, we're, we're um, helping people understand that it's it's a, a little bit bigger dynamic than just a, a cut and dry economic decision. Yeah, especially with I think all we things. have to get to the point of being mature. All of us, those that are benefit consultants, Sean, and the receivers at the other end, of looking at what's being offered. Uh, do you have any definite value for what's being offered? Do you have any proof of that? You know, how have you measured it? Have you not measured it? Uh, what feedback are you getting? Have you done something about the feedback that you're getting? You know, maybe it's a reallocation of funds so that you can provide a funding account, uh, you know, or a telehealth uh, option, which will help you ultimately. These are the things I think the folks uh, on the call, Sean, you know, need some outside help to really come to that realization. Right, right. And for for help with that, you can just get through, get through, uh, get it through us at Edie Bellis, through myself and uh, I can get you in touch with with Stuart here, and we can help solve those uh, any of those problems that that one might have. Stuart, uh, got time for one more segment here today? Yep. All right, Absolutely. fantastic. This is part three of our ongoing series, which is designed to be a public service for you, helping you understand um, all the issues that are surrounding uh, this difficult upcoming 2017 open enrollment season. This week, we're looking. And what are the important decisions in generational groups uh, that one needs to understand when making these decisions? Because they all are quite different. We've got individuals that are in the baby boomer generation, individuals in Generation X, and millennials all have different needs. And that's what we're here to help you understand. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be back right after this. Edie Bellis is a healthcare reform consulting company with valuable information that is up to date and easy to understand. We have solutions to manage compliance, minimize penalties and taxes, and all other options. Check out healthreformexplained.com. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising healthcare costs? I'm Sean McGuire, and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. 
I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services, including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.healthreformexplained.com. That's www.healthreformexplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. Okay, here are three important reasons why your son or daughter should play a sport in high school. Number one. High school sports teach valuable life lessons like self-discipline and time management skills. Two. Teens who play a high school sport have better grade point averages. And number three. High school sports are safer than ever before. This message presented by the Nebraska School Activities Association and the Nebraska State Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Weeknights, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on News Talk 1290. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Well, whether you're out running errands or if you're heading down to the game, we appreciate your time here on America's Healthcare Challenge, 402-342-1290. If you have any questions uh, for us here in the last segment, we wanted to get through all of this uh, really important information. And now, I guess knowledge, Stuart, is the right word. You're sharing knowledge with us because of... Uh, all the experience uh, that you have in the industry, so we appreciate you having a you, you coming back uh, to the program. Uh, let's uh, happy to do it. Yeah, that's great. We um, are we on the the largest share of working population? What attri- what attributes stand out when talking about? Well, actually, millennials? we're we're the one just before. And okay. I'll try to plow through that as as quickly as I can, uh, and then go into that last segment. Uh, more than sixty percent of millennials and fifty nine percent of Generation Xers say that cost is their main consideration. Uh, only to uh, 42% of baby boomers you know, feel that way. When it comes to taking control of the health care and overall health, millennials most wanted encouragement and help from their health care uh, versus the other generation groups. Over 80% of millennials and members of the Generation X group are likely to shop around for both a health care provider and a health insurance provider. So they may not be the most stable inside of a group. You know, they want to make sure they, they, you know, they have the absolute bottom line. But I think in the marketplace in general, Sean, uh, when they come back to bottom line uh, value, they'll find whatever the employer uh, offering is, particularly with multiple offerings, that's really their best bet. I know. Uh, 50% of millennials have delayed treatment because of cost. Only 15% of the other generation, uh, you know, feel that way. So uh, of all these groups, I think the the main takeaway here before we go into that last point is 91% of these groups want to be more more proactive in managing their health, something that's that's, uh, of recent vintage and I think is going to play a larger uh, part in the 2017 marketplace. That's what these folks are going to be looking for. Interesting uh, observation. Didn't realize that millennials were were that cost conscious for healthcare. Do you think that's just because they're kind of to use the uh, term "young and invincible"? You think that? I, has I to think do with so. It? And again, it, it, this is one of their first purchasing uh, opportunities. 
in a new job setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're being very careful with probably uh, very tight, limited uh, dollars based upon their their college uh, debts that they're dragging with them. Uh, Sean, you know, I'd like you to jump in on this because I, I really want to uh, now spend the last uh, time here in, in talking about who these millennials are. Yeah, sure. Any any thoughts on, on your part? Well, on millennials, I think one of the things that I, I would do, just given from my own experience being, and, and I, it seems like yesterday when I was working for, for the Senate and uh, had, had to go through the, the decision of, you know which in, which employee, uh, which which health insurance option to to purchase, and mm-hmm. some people that that were my colleagues decided to not purchase anything, and I actually had right. health care conditions, and mm-hmm. uh, it was probably the, one of the best decisions I ever made as a millennial sure. to to purchase that because had I not mm-hmm. done that, I would have been in in a in a pickle, and mm-hmm. um and so I think that's something that uh, that they need to to consider. But they they need to un- understand what what these other options are are too because maybe maybe the 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 PPO might not be the best plan for them but getting something like a, a high deductible plan with telemedicine uh, for for something that 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 could be uh, be mo- relatively minor which I would think some someone of the millennial generation would would be seeing but then have that protection should yeah. something catastrophic happen I think yeah. that's kind of the approach they should be taking. Yeah, good observation. So these folks are, uh, they were born between 1980 and 2000, 2002. Interesting numbers. Uh, They make up one in three American workers today. They are the largest working generation in our workplace today. And they have different expectations of, you know, from their employers uh, than than previous generations. Uh, If they're not noted, one of the things I've seen in these statistics if they're not noted uh, and and looked upon in terms of um, growth, these folks will leave after three years, and that's historically what we're seeing in the marketplace. Some of these are, you know, have have limited uh, uh, amount of time. Uh, if they are considered full-time employees working 30 hours a week or more, uh, I think their their job and their dollar responsibilities are limited. So they value voluntary non-traditional benefits, and I, I put some of these together. Non-traditional medical benefits, uh, since they have trouble in defining what a deductible and coinsurance is. So they look at things like gym memberships, transit benefits, wellness benefits, flex time and working virtually, mm-hmm. tuition reimbursement, and of course, as we said before, vision. Uh, and that really is, is an important consideration for millennials. Why vision is top of their list? Because obviously they need to see well to do their job, and it's their, some of them their first jobs. But most important, vision exams can detect uh, a multitude of diseases and health uh, considerations, such as diabetes, hypertension, autoimmune diseases, thyroid disease, and some tumors and, and cancer cells. So that's very important to this generation. Uh, Vision was the only add-on benefit to experience increase enrollment this year from from the menu of voluntary benefits that are out there. 30% of employees aged 18 to 34, this generation we're talking about, use their vision benefits more than once in the past year as compared to only 18% of Generation Xers and 17% of baby boomers. So one in four millennials say vision is the most appealing part of a benefits package. And I think you can see now why. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, some of the non-traditional things like gym memberships and other things. That that seems to be getting uh, a lot of traction from, from people that I talk to. Yeah, very much so. And it also helps uh, with the wellness component, which is obviously an important part. Well, again, you know, these are young, vibrant people, um, very active, uh, you know, not only at work, but in their social settings. You know, they're either dating or they're at the very start of starting a family. So health and and being uh, health conscious is very important to them. So as you indicated, you know, wellness programs, anything related to that is very important to them and how they can take care of their health. 
which is the point you made before about telehealth, you know, as as a very important consideration. You mentioned some finance, uh, you know, financial planning or financial tools or strategies that somebody could could use. W- would this be something that uh, a smart millennial would 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 start considering? Uh, you yes. know, building up their HSA stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that that younger generations have found value uh, at the workplace is getting the kind of help not only in terms of funding accounts, but also in the start of financial planning. Mm-hmm. Many of these people, again, it's their first job. Uh, they're starting a family, perhaps maybe considering uh, looking for, uh, you know, buying a home. So these financial decisions, they look for help, you know, from others. And yes, it could be from the local stockbroker uh, that's maybe servicing the pension plan at work, but more than likely, it's a benefit consultant of some type at the at the workplace. Mm-hmm. That's why they value what the employer brings to the table as far as services for for these employees. Mm-hmm. Well, these are just all uh, just really important decisions that I think any generation should 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 take time to uh, to really consider to consider mm-hmm. planning for all of this. Um, any any final thoughts, Stuart? Looks like we got about a minute left in the program. Looks like we covered a lot of ground. I'm really excited to write up uh, the commentary about it uh, after the show. Yeah. I think I would just uh, voice what you have said before, which is employers need to look carefully at what they're offering, not not only just the bottom line cost, but search for value. Do their employees really value what they're putting on the table? Uh, if there could be uh, you know, some changes made, uh, obviously here we are, we're talking about preparation for open enrollment season. Maybe this is the time, looking into the 2017 open enrollment season, maybe this is the time to look at some of those things before they look uh, at their renewal notices. Right, because we know that those renewal notices, at least from every indication we've seen, are going to be pretty pretty bad, aren't they? So, so what we're really looking at is uh, for what those renewal notices are going to bring dollar-wise, uh, is their value, which is which is perceived both by the employer as well as the employees. You know, are they getting a, a, a good bang for the buck uh, from their employees, from the HR department? You know, what are they collectively seeing from inside the workplace? Right, right. All right. Well, that that's uh, that sounds good, Stuart. Um, what's the website that folks can reach at? Uh, would be RenaissanceCaptiveSolutions.com. Okay. Renaissance Captive Solutions is uh, is the place to, to reach Stuart. Stuart, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to join us here on the program. I wish we had another hour because we could, we could uh, continue to cover more, but we look forward to having you uh, back again uh, for the next one. Happy to be with you, Stuart. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. That was Stuart Solon, president of State Consulting, and I am Sean McGuire. Thank you so much again for taking the time to, to listen to the program. By the way, if you need any help with getting through all these difficult decisions, would like to have somebody come out there and uh, do an evaluation of your current situation, talk to you about some ideas, happy to, to make that happen. Uh, just uh, go ahead and get in touch with me. Our website is edbellisinc.com. It's edbellisinc.com. That is the organization I am the, the founder and president of, and I would love to come talk to you about this and other ways to improve your organization. Until next time, we will see you next week.